the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Fade, left, caught in one hand, touchdown Cowboys! Dallas now leads by a score of 20 to 13. Snap to Jones, they stunt, he throws it over the middle, that's intercepted at the 35 by Diggs. And Cooper Rush is going to join Roger Staubach and Jason Garrett as the only Cowboy quarterbacks in history to win their first three starts. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, a Tuesday edition of Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield, Adam Hill is the company, Finley Toyota Studios, Ari is running things. You hear Monday Night Football highlights coming back. Brad Sham, play-by-play voice of Dallas, with some amazing uh, factoids there about Cooper Rush. We got a lot of NFL on the way. In about 90 minutes, we'll talk to Pro Football Talk Insider, Miles Simmons. We got a couple of former NFL players on the show today, so let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. By the way, I have no idea who we have on the show today. I just, I just made that up. I think sure. we have former NFL players on. I know we have at least one. Uh, first of all, how you doing? Wonderful. You energetic? You fired up? Sure. Why not? I don't know. It just seems like there's a vibe. I can feel a vibe when I walk into the studio sometimes. When we're never in the studio. Maybe it's because we're in the studio. And Ari, like uh, now longtime host Clay Baker. You remember Clay back in the day, right? Anytime we wouldn't, we wouldn't be on the road as much as we are now. We're on the road. Basically four days a week, if not five. So it's very seldom that we're in studio, but we always noticed that Clay had like a pizza or like sure. a calzone on days we weren't there. It was like party time. He was living his best life. He loved it. He's yeah. like that son of a is out of the and you didn't mean you. He meant me. They're out of the studio. Time to party. Ari does three hours of granola. <laughs> For Clay, it was me time. It was me time, but uh, Ari Ari chows down on his. He generally will break out the granola in hour two, and whatever crunchy snacks he has, and also run the risk of choking and dying while he's working. It's very risky. We've always talked about this: no granola, no peanuts when you're doing a show, whether you're on mic or off. Well, I think it's more when you have an allergy, but it can also flare it up. Jams no up the what. throat. It could jam sure. up the throat for hours. Sure, you lock up, you're done. Can't do it. And no water, so you gotta. You know, if something does happen, you're kind of in trouble. Do you think Dak Prescott is taking extra care of his hand and thumb, or did he probably, uh, like, re-injure it last night, punching stuff as Cooper Rush was kicking ass? As as much as Cooper Rush can, <laughs> and let's also say maybe kicking ass isn't the right term. They won with him. He was because managing the game. The, the thing that kicked ass was the running game actually worked, and I've been waiting for the Cowboys They've got Pollard and Zeke. I, th- I think Zeke can still play. I know Pollard can play, and most of the sets and plays they try to run with both guys on the field were a nightmare in, in the first couple of games. Last night, they found a way to involve both of them, and you know they eclipsed 175 yards rushing as a team. Uh, yeah, and I'll say that I... You know, I was watching on a plane, so the streaming was kind of cutting in and out a little bit. I wasn't. It wasn't uh, a, a completely clear picture the whole time, but... I would say the biggest factor is not Cooper Rush or, I mean, Pollard is obviously very good. Uh, Tyler Smith, from what I watched, looked like he's legit. And Which, God, God almighty, they need it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, they're young offensive linemen because of uh, Tyron Smith being down and, and other injuries as well. And, and I think, but I think Tyler Smith's emergence has kind of stabilized, at least last night, looked really, really good, really comfortable, especially pulling. his athletic. He's moving really well. Uh, there was a lot of good that he was doing that was helping the, the running game get going. 
And so uh, that's what I would point to and say, hey, that guy is, you know, is giving them some stability up front, which will help the entire offense, which I think will be a godsend when Dak Prescott is back, which is either next week or two weeks. But I'm confused. A first-round pick offensive lineman, number 24? He can play it right away? Yeah. What? Well, huh? I, I, I didn't think he was great early. No. I mean, but there's three, ga- three games. Well, they're not going to cut him. Really, he really said They're not going to cut him after the year, are they? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. There's, there's a new standard that's been set by the Cowboys. An O-lineman can be selected in the first round and somewhat serviceable in year one. Well, I think it's only top 20 picks. Is that right? Yeah. That's not really after the that, case. After that, I think. The Giants are doing okay with at least one of their first-round picks. Sure. Some others have not worked out on the offensive line. So, Jerry sort of has. Not really, but we can play it up. The quarterback controversy he was wishing for, and I don't think he really wanted a quarterback controversy, but he, he said you know, it would be nice if you know when Dak comes back, Rush has won a bunch of games, and then we have a decision to make. <laughs> sure. They don't have a decision to make. No. But I will tell you, when – Dak comes back, that he may not be 100%, and his hand may still suck, and he may not play that well. So you know the way the NFL works. You know, if the Cowboys don't win when Dak comes back, and I think he's targeting two weeks from now, he definitely said for next week, he's like, nah. They play the Rams in two weeks? Yeah. And he's like, I'm targeting that. So, of course, he goes right into the freaking hot griddle against a good team. Yeah, but I think what – what Cooper Rush has done is is allowed them to wait until Dak is fully healthy. By the way, I'm going to throw him in a frying pan, not a griddle. Sorry about that. I used the wrong term. I don't know. Goes into a hot frying pan. Yeah, I don't know the difference. <laughs> I don't even know what a griddle is. I don't why know why you, I said that. You're using cooking references on me. I don't even know. What you're talking I, I, I got about. confused. Keep going. Uh, I don't know the difference between a pot and a pan. I think <laughs> they're kind of the same thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think what it has done is they they don't have to rush him back, uh, and like he might feel the pressure of hey this guy keeps winning I better come back but I think he's he's stable enough and comfortable enough in his job that he's not going to do that I think it gives the team the ability to say hey if we need an extra week if you're eighty percent you don't have to play we're we're winning games and even if we sacrifice a game it's not going to put us totally behind the eight ball because we've won a couple of games here to kind of st- stabilize the ship a little bit so I think that's where they're at you're in a good mood maybe it was okay. a trip to Nashville we'll find out later on. But I think it may be from the video of the weekend, because there is one team, even though you're very objective now that you work around the NFL, you're up here. My hand is very high. Sure. We're talking about Adam's status now as a media person. You must have loved the camera on the Bills booth oh. and Ken Dorsey. It was, it was great. <laughs> I think he's, he's speechless. But this, I mean, this was, if you remember, there was a moment in the offseason where we got an indication of this. Do you remember the Ken Dorsey quote? Because there was there was conversation about would he call plays, because this is his first time as an OC, would he call plays from the booth or the field? And Josh Allen, quarterback of the Bills, said, oh, he's got to be in the booth. He's insane. He's crazy. If he's on the field, everybody's going to see this all the time. And Ken Dorsey's response was, I didn't know I was that much of a psychopath. He is. But that's, that's good. That's how I want coaches reacting, by the way. Yeah. When things don't go your way, when your offense screws something up, like that's what I want you to do. And that's a that's a player screw up, not a coach screw up. And he's like, ah, I called that's right. What are you doing out? That that's nuts. I, I love that. That's how that's how I think coaches should respond. Now, I know there was the talk from Sean McDermott of we want our, you know, we want to show poise. <laughs> screw poise. Why? It was done. The game's over. Let it out. Like, yeah. Now the, the you know, the funny part is probably 
you know, who was the first person in that booth that actually said something? Like, I'm sure it didn't happen in the booth. Um, but who was the first person to be like, what was that? Like, oh, really? Like calling him out? Yeah, but, but I'm right. sure it didn't happen. Like, maybe as the, they're walking out or maybe even after the, you know, after the cool off period in the locker room and media leaves, somebody's like, hey, Ken, what was that? What was right. that, bro? Kind of laughing at him. One of those other guys that's in the booth in that, <laughs> that video. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the part that I wish we saw. Who's they, the first person to break the ice? Do they need to set up a table in the booth and have like an intern up there for bad moments to just throw the intern through a table? No, like the Bill says, Dorsey's got got to get his anger. Well, he, he's ruining all his material. He's got no. tablets, computers. Throw a, throw an intern through a table like the fans do outside. His hat, I think, took the brunt. Yeah, because he threw the hat down and then he started pounding the table and the hat flew off the table. Everything else kind of stayed Man. in place somehow. I'm down with it though. Yeah, uh, Caleb Herring. It's the first I, indication I've had that Ken Dorsey is he's yeah, ready. he's legit. <laughs> he's legit. He's legit. Caleb Herring tweeted out a former UNLV football player and you know part of the the programs here. By the way, the Marcus Arroyo radio show is coming up special night on a Tuesday because of the short week they play Friday. But Caleb Herring tweeted out uh, overreact much, and immediately I was like, I don't see a problem with Ken Dorsey <laughs> flipping out. Seems normal to me. Overreact? That's a loss uh-huh. in the NFL. There's no such thing as overreacting. I I didn't let it on yesterday, but I, I, it hit me that I like misread some promotion last week, like on Wednesday. But it hit me yesterday on the show, and it took it took a couple minutes for me to calm down internally because I was going to punch myself. I got so mad, and, and, and Willie Willie never knew. You don't want to scare the ladies down at Twin Peaks. Like who is this psycho just punching himself? But I got I got I heard something. And I was like, I screwed that up last week. We need this kind of intensity. That's the way the whole thing holds together did you th- in football and some radio shows. Did you throw your headphones? I would never do that. Okay. I pay for my headphones. I love my headphones. Fair. I would never do that. You don't, you're not thinking about that in the moment. Uh, you, you get urges when you're a psychopath. You get urges and like jolts of anger, and then you want to react. But in that case, I showed a little bit of maturity. I, um, I also didn't pull what the St. Louis guy did last week where I just started <laughs> screaming at Willie Ramirez as uh, what was the guy's name? He's a Missouri former Missouri tight end. I can't Faust. He's fired. Like that. He was fired. He got he did get fired because he went on a what was it like a forty five expletive tirade uh, on the female co host on his rock morning show where he I didn't realize you point did you point it out that he called her a bad mother? I was like <laughs> wow this got personal. That's good. Well that like a but lot I of feel like he's, and you're a bad mother. I like, feel like he's stealing what? he's stealing my material. What are you talking about? Like that—that's my whole thing of when you're working and doing several jobs in the media and doing a lot of different oh, things. Yeah. And if you're a parent, you're probably a bad parent. Ooh, I hadn't put two and two together. Yeah. You're very, you're very—I um, don't know—you're not anti-parents, but your theory is that you simply cannot work as hard as a single Adam Hill. You can be You've got a singular focus. You can be good at your job or good at being a parent. An unhealthy singular <laughs> yes. focus. Say it again. You can be good at your job or good at being a parent. It's if you're a parent, you should probably choose parent. That's one I'm not criticizing you as a as an okay. employee. You should choose your children. All right. Well, I want to keep joking around and having fun, but <laughs> the Raiders are 0 three. We can't do that right now because people think we're happy. That's unfortunate. Yes. Thank, thank you for going into golf voice there. Um, there. There are a couple of good stories, though, with the Raiders. And Mac Hollins is a guy who was added to the roster, and he's been really good. So what's his deal? 
I mean, I, first of all, I feel personally responsible by writing a story on Friday saying, hey, from a fantasy perspective, slow down on Matt Collins. Oh, he's really? not going to do this. You tried to pour a little cold water. I was like, he's not, he's, he's, his career high in receptions is 16. He never had five catches in a game. He finally, he did it. Like, th- this is not going to happen again. Did he look for you after it the game or the last couple of days? No, he actually didn't talk to anyone after the game. Okay. I, I think he was. Sounds like that was uh, kind of a norm. Uh, There's a lot no, of anger. Only, only two guys. Okay. Only two guys. Uh, well, three. Uh, but yeah, there, and I think in Mac Collins' case, Mac Collins is awesome. I, I can, I won't do it, but I can give you the list of guys that are not awesome with the media to talk to after practices and games. Uh, Mac Collins is not one. Mac Collins will always talk. Mac Collins is, you know, right there answering questions, good or bad, tougher, tougher, easy. Um, always gives you something. It always understands what your job is. Like try to find stories and he'll help you out. I think his. From just talking to some people in the locker room, he had the game of his life on offense and special teams. I mean, he's always great on special teams. He was unbelievable in that game, and they lost, and I think it just devastated him. So I'm willing to give Matt Collins a pass for not talking after that game on Sunday, and I'm sure he'll talk tomorrow, and I know a lot of people are planning on doing stories on him this week, so um, I'm I'm willing to forgive that one. But that what he has been able to do is something that he came in, and a lot what a lot of – I think – God, what's – I, I was trying to remember the phrase. I just remembered it. Mick Lombardi today said uh, an old philosophy, no block, no rock, which is if you're not gonna, willing to do the dirty work and the hard things, you're not going to get the ball. And he has earned every opportunity he's had, not from necessarily just being a good receiver. He does every single thing that's asked of every of anyone on the team, special teams, offense, block, do the dirty work, and then you get rewarded with the ball. And I think that's kind of what's happening right now. There's the positive. On the way back, we start breaking down a lot of the problems. Well, you got to have problems if you're 0-3, and the Raiders right now have some problems to solve. Today after Cofield and Company, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. They're the most disappointing team in the league. I thought Josh McDaniels with Derek Carr and company and getting Devontae Adams, that this is going to be some type of high-flying offense, scoring points all over the place, and then they got two legitimate pass rushes on, on that side of the ball. It's just not happening. They're lucky that whole division right now is kind of a mess because they're a mess right now. Now, back to Cofield and company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Damian Woody, ESPN. I don't know if the division's a whole mess. The Chiefs lost a game. And the Broncos stink on offense. They're not feeling good about themselves, but I'd feel real good with two wins as opposed to zero. So Raiders are struggling right now. A lot of issues to go through. Uh, First one on deck is we always do a cleanup Tuesday when Adam Hill's back in town and we get all the numbers. What's happening in the red zone? You just heard Damian Woody like, you added more weapons. The ultimate weapon in Devontae Adams. Now, Renfro didn't play last game, but, you know, Waller's back. Assume he's 100%. You have solid running backs. What's going on here? A lot of throws in the red zone. Yeah. So do they have solid running backs? Because they're not giving it to them. It's another question. Well, I think two runs on the red zone so far. It's 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 been a... And it's actually, it's not the red zone, inside the five. Sure. Yeah. Uh, very in, Inside the five, they've got, I think right. it's two runs, nine passes. Yeah. Very imbalanced. Uh, obviously, in that area, and that's something that Josh McDaniels talked about yesterday, trying to find that balance. And he said there's a couple times where, you know, maybe they could have gone to the running game and they probably could have got it in, and instead they uh, maybe called the wrong play. So he's taking some some responsibility for that. He's also, you know, saying, hey, there's got to be execution. Obviously, the the one that stands out to everyone is Derek Carr 
hitting Darren Waller right at the goal line. Uh, it was thrown about 150 miles per hour, right? You know, pretty close to him, but that's a catch he has to make. And right. it also, and I listen, I asked Darren Waller specifically about this after the game, and he said absolutely not. But two plays earlier, he was led into a massive hit. And then he was led into another potential hit on the goal line. And clearly, to me, it was in his mind. He said, absolutely not. It wasn't. Wasn't thinking about that. But how could you not? How could you not be when you just got laid out with a, with a personal foul penalty after making a catch and then almost the same situation of running toward a linebacker uh, and, and taking that throw? So um, I think there's responsibility on everyone from the play calling to the line to you know the execution from the quarterback from guys dropping passes. All of those things are happening. But it, it does kind of seem like it's building on itself where you know the frustration is building. Now, not as bad as the Broncos. The Broncos, have, I think, what do they have, an 11%? Success rate inside inside the twenty. That's insane. The Raiders are still up around you know close to fifty percent, but they're twenty six in the league. It's not good, and that's not where you want to be. You have to get better in that area. I'm seeing bad body language at times too, and it's hard to resist that when you're not playing well and you're making mistakes. Yeah, but that's not a positive. No, like Derek Carr clearly made it obvious when he had some passes dropped. Yeah, and and I'm sure receivers are you know would look back at him and say, "What about when you've missed passes?" Like, yes, they're dropping passes. That's why it's on everyone. And I think everyone will point to, you know, if you want to say it's on the quarterback, there's easy things to point to at Derek Carr. If you want to say it's on the receivers, very easy to point at why are two receivers in the same place on the on the one play where Devontae Adams thought he was going to catch at the back of the end zone and it hit Darren Waller's hands in front of him. Why are they both in the same spot? Uh, and that was kind of talked about yesterday that the defense pushed him into the same spot. Uh, that that wasn't the plan, but Devontae got pushed into an area where, where he wasn't planning to be, and Darren Waller was in that same area. Like, and, and I'm sure every everyone on the team has some responsibilities, from McDaniel's all the way down to you know anyone that's been in there in, in those situations. So to start pointing fingers and saying, "Hey, it's on you," if you would have caught that pass, okay, but two throws ago, if you would have thrown a better pass, mm-hmm. like everyone can point at somebody else. So I, I think it's it's on it's incumbent on everyone as a team to get better in that area. And Raider Nation on social media is just like pointing finger whoever they can find. They're going after. We told the story yesterday that there was a uh, tweeter who said Darren Waller doesn't look like he cares. Like, dude, can you act like you care? I saw this one because immediately the quarterback becomes the focus. Uh, a Brent tweeted, this fan base deserves better. Derek Carr deserves better. These are a couple of life's truths. Sometimes <laughs> in life, a split is necessary. It's been nine years. It's past time. So now we got a split. Derek Carr and the Raiders need to split after three games this Sometimes year. breakups with, are good for everyone. With a new with a new coach and GM and most most of the coaching staff. Well, I mean, that's better than some people that suggested McDaniel should be fired. Like you've committed, I did see that. you've committed. Huh. Listen, I, I get sometimes it happens. Um, well, but those are those are those are fan. What is it? Social media influencers, sure, who are as much spilling their guts out about how they feel about the team, but also they're trying to build audience. And they also, so that gets reaction. And they also don't have to, in in a vacuum, sure, maybe you can start talking about that. This is a team that just had to pay off a massive settlement. We don't know what that was. None of that is happening. Of course not. None of that's happening. You're not going to be paying three coaches. It's it's three games in. To get rid of this one. It's It's three games in. They've been close. Are they a terrible team? Probably not. Kind of. Kind of backed Willie into the corner yesterday because he he kept saying you know they're a very good team. No, like they have some very good players, but they're not a very good team. They're better than their record in that they they yeah. you well know. Cer- certainly 
Well, it hasn't played out that way. Well, right now, yeah. right now they're the only winless team in the league. They're right. not the worst team in the league. I think that's no. that's fair. Who, to who say. do you think are the worst teams in the league? Ooh. It's it's obvious, especially because now injuries are hitting one of them. Just and now it's cluster stuff. The Jets, the Jets are terrible. <laughs> okay. They just lost George Fant okay. after losing Beckton at the beginning of the season. I mean, like they're they're screwed. Flacco sucks. I still, know, I still, eventually, the Golden Boy will come back. And the other team is. The I still com- think Houston sucks. Too. The Commanders blow. Okay. Houston's actually been competitive. I'm, again, we've talked about their mission this year. I'm sure upstairs are like, all right, Lovey. Like I thought we brought Lovey here, and you know, four wins. Okay, three wins. <laughs> Don't be competitive. I'm not going to say that. No, but but yeah. They're, so I don't no, think the the, uh, the Raiders are not the Jets, the Commanders, the Texans. But you know, going into Week Four, that wasn't supposed to be the narrative. Like, hey, you know, glass overflowing. The Raiders aren't these three teams. What I was just looking at, and and look, there, there are things. If you want to say they're the worst team in the league, there's some things to point to. One being that the three teams they've lost to don't have a win besides the Raiders. Both, all three teams have one win. Their one win was against the Raiders. That's it. They've lost everybody else they played. So that isn't a great sign. Uh, all, and the Chargers obviously are a different ex- example because they played a really good game against Kansas City and then they lost everyone and Justin Herbert can't move. So like you understand why, but like none of those teams have a win outside of the Raiders. That's a bad sign. And I just I was just looking at a chart uh, before we went on the air that was put out of, of points scored and points allowed versus expectation on the schedule, which is a, it's a very complicated type thing, but... Are you're if you're giving up more points than the the strength of schedule would suggest, or if you're surrendering more, and the Raiders are the worst team in that graphic, the worst team in the league, which would make sense being zero and three and the only zero and three team, but that that graphic says even based on strength of schedule, not great. Again, that goes back to the fact that none of those teams have a win outside the Raiders. There's things you can point to, but I think if you are somebody that just observes, you would say no, they're not the worst team in the league. They're three plays away essentially. Like all three games have been decided on the final play. Although, you know, as Josh McDaniel said yesterday and I wrote about today, like the games are being decided earlier. It's not that they're just coming down to one play. There's plays in the second or third quarter that could be really determining how these games have turned out. It just so happened they've come down to the last significant play. So you could change a couple of plays and be 3-0, and but they're not. They're on 3 Raiders are better than the Bears. It's another Yes, team. for sure. All right. Well, it's kind of a mean way to go into this, but uh, you know who's a Bears fan? Eddie Vedder. Okay. Lead singer Pearl Jam. Okay. Someone want tickets? Freddie Vetter? Of course you do. <laughs> we got tickets. We got tickets. Don't, because he talks a lot Where during Justin the show. Fields jersey. He talks a lot during the show. No Cubs, no Bears, Eddie. All right? Anything else? Just music. All right, we got two tickets to Eddie Vetter. Lead singer Pearl Jam. October 7th. That's a Friday. Damn! I wish I could go to the show, but I'll be out of town. Park MGM. Dolby Live. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Ari's got a pair of tickets right now. Eddie Vetter. October 7th, Park MGM, 364-1100, caller 7. Join Cofield and Company on Thursdays for the live 2-5 to five show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77-cent beers. It's Thursday Night Football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. Bonner takes the snap, drops back again, and he's pressured, and he's hit by Plant, but he's still on his feet. Now he fires for the end zone, and the pass is intercepted by the Rebels. Noel Williams, on who the picked it off, and this game is over. The Rebels get a conference win in their first conference game of 2022, and they get it on the road. Now, 
back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Russ Langer, one of two Noel Williams interceptions, was uh, honored today as one of the better defensive backs in the country. Had 118 all-purpose yards that include, included 62 return yards. Russ Langer, again, with the call there from uh, Noel Williams, the cornerback for the Rebels. This is weird, isn't it? We do, you know, a good half hour on the Raiders, and we get a lot more on their struggles. And UNLV is 3-1. And, and the Mountain West, the traditional powers, for some of them, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I, I couldn't be happier talking about Boise State's issues, oh. but we don't have a ton of time. That is, what's going on there is a sign of a lot of frustration and the young head coach, Andy Avalos, has lost a bit of control. Yeah. It's Your ugly. starting quarterback goes in the transfer portal before week five. Hank Bachmeyer is in the portal. Wow. Well, the, the question is, if anybody watched the first couple of games, do they even want him? Someone will grab him, but you get my point, right? Of For course. a quarterback to bail, because I'm assuming they probably told him, hey, we're going to give our freshman quarterback a look here, which means there was a lot leading up to Bachmeyer saying, screw this, I'm out of here. Uh, Boise plays San Diego State this week. I think Boise right now is six as San Diego State comes to town. San Diego State's uh, quarterback of the future left like 10 days ago. He went into the portal. Yeah. So it's a mess with some of the traditional powers, and it's really weird being around the UNLV players and and uh, Coach Arroyo, Monday press conference, and they're like, hey, you know, we, we know now we have a little bit of a target on our back that, you know, they were kind of trying to dispel the whole, hey, you know, now we're the hunted. Like, even the players are like, and Arroyo used the term, we've got scar tissue from the last couple of years. Like, yeah. we're, we're the hunters. Like, this team is not getting full of itself. I mean, they got their teeth kicked in the last couple of years. And going, I mean, and going back for guys like Ajake, like Ajake goes back to freaking the Sanchez era. And so do about 10 other players. So they know. Like, there hasn't really been a whole lot accomplished. But the, I'll tell you, the, one of the things that I thought was was good at Utah State, even though it wasn't a game eight points or less, remember how they were 0-6 last year in games eight, point or le- eight points or less, what happened in the fourth quarter at Utah State where they did come through with the victory and sealed it last year, that's probably a loss. And that yeah. mentally, I think those things are, are a big deal. Yeah, but I think there is – there is a question of how do you handle success and they can pretend it's not there all they want and say, Hey, that's not us. It is now they, they have got well, other teams. Are, other teams are going to respect them. They, they shouldn't be overlooked. Maybe Notre Dame will overlook them, but Notre Dame's had a bad start. So they need to right. win every game possible, but they're going to be favorites a lot, which is not usually the case. Usually going to a case. You, they're going into games almost every week. The last couple of years as an underdog, no expectations. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're supposed to win. Now, if you lose one of these games coming up, that, that's a bad loss, which they've, they've hadn't had to deal with before. So dealing right. with success and understanding how to play as a favorite and as a team that's successful is, is something that is a process, and that's, that's something that they're going to have to learn. After New Mexico, if they win it, and they're giving 14 points yeah. to New Mexico. Last year they beat them 31-17 down there. I think the next five weeks after, there could be a couple of close spreads, but they're going to be a dog in the next five unless there are some disasters with other programs. They're yeah. going to go at San Jose State. That'll be a, a pretty short number. But then they do have they have Fresno. I guess it depends on how Fresno plays for the short term without Jake Hayner. They have Notre Dame Air Force in there. 
They got San Diego State in the offing down the road. So, yeah. but the numbers will be a lot. Like you know, we talked back in early June when Tony Miller and Golden Nugget had the stones to put up all the UNLV games for the season, and then our guy Brad Powers, I think, went down there and bet every game against UNLV. <laughs> the numbers were big. Yeah, I mean the the game the other night went off UNLV three on the road against Utah State. The opening number in June on that was Utah State twelve and a half. Yeah. It's been, I mean, and it's been one of the big surprises nationally. UNLV is four and ATS, and I think the number, you know, the cover margin is something like sixteen. They're like a top five cover margin team as well. Yeah, they've been completely different than what expectations were, and, and expectations obviously for those that were paying attention said, okay, this should be a better team on paper, but not everybody needs to see it. So many people yeah. need to see it. it. It was also something I talked about before the season when you're handicapping all these programs now with the transfer portal. This was a heavily built team based around the transfer portal. You don't know how those guys are going to turn out. They could be really good impact players. Like Aiden Robbins has been amazing. You know, Jordan Morgan, an Iowa State kid, he's moving into that safety role. He's getting better and better. Ricky White from Michigan State has been good. Sometimes transfers don't blend in. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Harrison Bailey's still kind of, you know, working to get a real stranglehold on that number two spot and be ready to play if Doug Brumfield goes down in a game. So I thought I thought handicapping before the season was going to be tough with all the transfers. You know, it's funny. The flip side, we thought Michigan State was going to be great. They have a transfer running back in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin and obviously a former UNLV player and Jacoby Winman, and they've just been so-so. Yeah, and you just don't and, – and it just so happens that UNLV is actually much better than expected and the rest of the league is just bad. And it, it's just so happening at the same time. Yeah. Where you know now all of a sudden you look around and say, could they could they potentially be in the mix to win the win the conference title? Yeah, we but examined, you got to take care of business between now and then. We examined the numbers yesterday um, for the Mountain West Conference title, and UNLV is like fifth choice now. Boise's still third at like plus three fifty. I think San Diego State was ten to one. I would absolutely bet San Diego State to get back. I would not bet Boise. No. Based on what I just said at the beginning no. of the conversation, I think that's a that's a squad right now that feels like it's fractured. And I, San Diego State did lose a backup quarterback to the transfer portal, but I think Hoke will get them to bounce back. They have a, they have a better shot of weathering this mini storm when you lose your starting quarterback and go back to last year. The, the other thing is they both have high expectations. The expectations for the Boise football program are completely ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's not it's not seven, ten, you know, thirteen years ago. Things have changed. Well, and they're they're almost, you know, just like UNLV has kind of been birthrighted to lose, and everybody just expects to lose. Mm-hmm. Boise State has kind of been birthrighted to win. Oh, you're just going to show up and win. Boise will get everyone's best effort. There is no looking ahead in the conference with Boise, and even if they're not good, people are going to look at it and go, you know what? Now we're getting ours. Yeah. Now it's payback time. For sure, it's still a it's still a brand name, and you saw it. You know, last week as they're, they were horrific. They were horrific in that game. And as it goes along, you're still seeing the live line. Oh, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. No, they're not good. Now that could change. Things change all the time in football. You can you can turn things around. And certainly they've recruited well. They've got talent somewhere in the program. So maybe that changes at some point. But right now they're just not a good team. I saw a group of five power poll. You know. By group of five guys, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know who they are, but um, since he was number one, UNLV actually number ten, so they're getting some recognition there. And uh, 
God almighty. Bowl projections in week five are just just horrendous. But I understand why people do it. Brent Murphy, I'm sure, is told, hey, this gets hits. Sure. It gets action. So he actually had uh, UNLV in a bowl game in Hawaii on December 24th against UTSA. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, fun time. Hey, get there first. Rematch against UTSA? Let's not put the cart before the horse here. From last, that was last year, right? It was last year. Yeah. Yep. One of the wild games last year where another one of them inside eight that they lost and they had the ball at the end of the game with, with a, a slight chance from about the 25 with Cam Friel trying to get it to the end zone. Kalikilikimaka, that's the, isn't that how you say it? Say what? I think that's Merry Christmas in in Hawaii. Are you sure? Do you want to look it up? I don't know. You just lost all your confidence. Don't Everything you, said, I, you said it confidently. It's just based on uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay. I mean, I could be pronouncing it very, very wrong. I think that's what it is. Though. So lay the wood this week? 14? I, I just big, think, big win for the Rebels? I just think book your flight to Hawaii. Oh, wow, even bolder. Yeah. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Man, Vegas has become home for so many big events, but you know, one that's been here for a really long time, laying the groundwork for it, is uh, the PGA stop in town. The Shriners Open is back in the beginning of October, and Patrick Lindsay is up. Joining Adam and Cofield, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. So what do you think of that uh, lead-in that, you know, when you think about it, uh, pro sports were not always uh, really embracing Las Vegas, and you guys have been here for a long, long time, and that kind of, you know, laid the groundwork for more big-time professional sports to come to town. Well, we love to think of it like that, for sure. And uh, you're right, we've been here for a long time PGA tour has been in Las Vegas uh, going on 35 consecutive years now, I believe is the number and Shriners has now been the title sponsor for 15 years. And this is actually year one of a five year extension with the PGA tour. So we'll be around through 2026 and really couldn't be more thrilled about that. To stay on that storyline before we get to the event, was there ever a time the tournament was here where like you couldn't bet it? Cause I think that was always the fear of, the major league sports are like, oh, we can't be there. You can actually bet on our event. I, I feel like golf always embraced uh, betting. Now, you know, didn't publicize it, but was never afraid of it. Yeah, I think that's probably probably true. I mean, you're right. The PGA Tour just recently has kind of gotten more engaged in in the uh, gaming side, just like everybody else. But yeah, as far as long as I've been here, there's always been lines on uh, on betting who's going to win our event. So let's just keep that going. Should be should be a lot of fun this year, though. So let's talk about the event from, first of all, a, a ticket standpoint. Tell people where they can buy tickets, and then you guys always have a ton of specials. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, a lot of specials out there right now, too. But really, right now, strinerschildrensopen.com. Uh, follow the ticket link, uh, and you can buy a ticket. Tickets start at $35. Uh, our grounds pass, our, kind of our cheapest ticket, is that $35 ticket, and that gets you into the hill. I know you guys have been in the hill before and broadcast from there, and, and hopefully you will be again this year. Um, but uh, that's, you know, that's a 10,000-square-foot venue overlooking the 16th, 17th, and 18th hole. Um, a sports bar atmosphere will have 30 TVs in there, so don't be afraid to come out on college football Saturday and NFL football Sunday. We'll have those TVs going, and you'll be able to come out and support a good cause and and, uh, and watch some PGA Tour golf. Um, but, you know, the weather's going to be incredible. I think next 
next Thursday through Sunday, the temperatures are looking to be uh, around 85 or so. Uh, so it should be beautiful. And we've got a ton of open to the public areas for, for people to go to. What are we talking about in terms of uh, big name participants? Yeah, I think we're really going to have a, a great, great field. Um, Patrick Cantlay is our definitely our top player. He's now number four in the world. Uh, he also finished fourth in the FedEx Cup playoff this this last year. Our defending champion, Sung J M, which there's an incredible video out there on him right now of him dancing in the uh, um, dancing in one of the cabins that after the President's Cup. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. It's on my Twitter account and Shriner's Twitter account, but it's awesome. Um, he finished number two in the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs last year. He's going to be back along with Gary Woodland, Max Homa, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Matt Kuchar, uh, just a really host of great, great guys that are come play the event and support us. And you mentioned some of those videos. Like how, how big has social media been over the years in terms of connecting players with fans <laughs> and then fans wanting to come out and see them play? Well, it's been really, it's been really incredible. You know, the PGA Tour, we, you know, we used to have this really obnoxious rule where you couldn't bring phones on, on <laughs> site, and we've um, thankfully have gotten over that. And now, um, uh, you know, fans can bring bring their phones. They can post material as well. You know, we we have our own hashtag. It's hashtag Shriners Open that you know we would want everybody to use, but. It's extremely important to, to show the experience. We've obviously got influencers that will be coming out and the whole new influencer game of people coming out and, uh, and posting stuff for us and getting their followers excited about it. It's a great tool for us to use for player announcements. We just announced, I don't know if you guys watched the President's Cup uh, last week, but there's like all of a sudden this new international superstar that was born in Tom Kim on the international side. It was a total spark plug for the international team. He's going to be at the event. So, um, you know, we've just tried to embrace it and use it to the best way that, best way that we can. And our uh, social media team does a great job. How, how strong is your uh, personal TikTok game? You got to be crushing, the, <laughs> crushing it out there. <laughs> Oh, I'm kind of out of the game at the moment. <laughs> Unfortunately, the TikTok just didn't just didn't sit with me. So um, I'm out of the TikTok game. I wrestle with that too. Adam, are you on TikTok? <laughs> I'm on it. I, I mean, we're both on it. Yeah, I don't. But post we ain't posting anything because <laughs> no. I'm trying to come up with ideas. I'm like, uh, I don't know, 50 plus year old sports radio guy. Am I really going to get a following? <laughs> Adam, 40 plus year old newspaper guy. You're not going to do it. Uh, I got some dances planned. We'll see. Some dances. See I don't think it's all about dances. Yeah. So the, well, we'll get one posted out here. Adam. Sure. The, uh, the, the event actually begins early in the week, right? You've got a bunch of events that people can get involved in going as early as uh, Monday and Tuesday, correct? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you're right. The whole, the whole week of the event, we have a whole host of special events. We have our Monday pro-am, uh, that benefits Shriners and the Ryan Palmer foundation is a partner of ours. Uh, Tuesday, we have our Cake Coffee Hills Executive Women's Luncheon, and this is the 10th uh, consecutive year that we've had that event, minus uh, the year of 2020. Um, but um, really, those two events are so successful. And then Wednesday is our first day that we're actually open to the public for, uh, for tickets to come through, our spectators to come through with our championship pro-am, which is an incredible experience where amateurs get to play with PGA Tour pros um, and walk all 18 holes with them. So that's a really cool experience. Uh, also just acts as a, as a uh, practice round for the players, and then competition starts Thursday through Sunday. But, you know, we're going to have a DJ in the hill 
uh, Thursday through Sunday playing music, and then we're uh, going to have a band Saturday night playing in there as soon as that last putt drops where people can, can stick around Saturday night and enjoy some music and um, a few more drinks. Very important. Let's talk about what the Shriners do and what it benefits. For sure. So Shriners Children's, um, really incredible organization, one that's near and dear to my heart. My my oldest son is a patient as well, so I get to really I have a I have a great job at the end of the day because I I get to uh, you know run a PGA Tour event, I get to promote this charity, and then I also get to receive services from the charity as well. So it's a a full you know 360 degree view of Shriners that that I get I get to do, and it's all you know through promoting this great this great charity and through a sport that I love. So I mean it, it's really been a great, a great thing for us, but Shriners Specialty Pediatric Hospital System, uh, 21 locations, 19 in the United States, one in Mexico City, one in Montreal, um, specialties that they see, orthopedic conditions, prosthetics, um, burn care, cleft lip, cleft palate, um, spinal cord injuries. So really just an incredible specialty care hospital, uh, all regardless of the family's ability to pay. So one of our taglines is actually um, we provide the most amazing care anywhere. So um, uh, we like to uh, to kind of hold on to that tagline, believe in it, and then try to create the most amazing event anywhere uh, on the PGA Tour. So hopefully everyone will come out and enjoy the event. The other thing that's really important, too, is that kids 18 years and younger will get into our event for free, aligning directly with the mission of the charity for children to receive care regardless of the family's ability to pay. So we're excited to uh, welcome as many families out here as possible and as many Las Vegas locals as possible. Shrinerschildrensopen.com slash tickets is where you can get your tickets. Uh, awesome specials, as uh, Patrick just said, and it really is for a great cause. We appreciate a couple minutes today. We'll see you out there, okay? Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. There he is, Patrick Lindsay. And uh, I got to be around the, the Shriners for the football game, for the East-West Bowl yeah. game. It is really cool. It's, it's completely different than any other um, football game. And the cause in general, you see all the charitable work they do. And we got to meet some of the kids and the football players got to meet a lot of the kids. So many success stories. It really is a, a freaking unbelievable cause. The event is the 6th to the 9th. The week starts with a bunch of different events. Patrick kind of rolled through them there. If you want follow-up information on how to get involved early in the week, again, it's uh, ShrinersChildrensOpen.com tickets or just go to the .com and you can get all the information you need. Real quick hit on golf in general, Adam. Uh, this lawsuit that Liv was trying to work, uh, antitrust against the PGA. Are we seeing some of the Liv guys who are like, eh, you know what, don't even bother. Yeah, a couple of them pulled out a couple weeks ago, and now Phil Mickelson has led a group of four uh, that have pulled out now. Uh, they're just not, not a part of it anymore. I think they saw the writing on the wall that just wasn't going to go anywhere. There's no sense fighting this battle. Maybe work for some sort of negotiation down the road, but for right now they just said, we'll do our thing, you do yours. We'll play on our tour that doesn't actually pay prize money and you guys it just pays uh, appearance fees and you guys go play on the PGA and enjoy your time. And uh, at some point I think they all come together, but for right now, not going to happen. Following the show today, Marcus Arroyo radio show, a special Tuesday edition of the coaches show. Let's do a giveaway right now. Go into the four o'clock hour. That's our Nevada sports hour on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas from four to five every day uh, inside of our two to five and three to six shows go to 70brew.com to find out more about the 70brew Oktoberfest 
We're going to give away, uh, going to give away two tickets right now. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. It's a four-day festival. It's caller seven on the three, six, four, eleven hundred four-day festival, September 29th to October second. It's at the Orleans. Uh, you also qualify for a chance to win some VIP tickets. You can grab your own seven O Brew tickets for this Oktoberfest at Ticketmaster.com. More information: Oktoberfest. Dot Vegas three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Ari's waiting for your call. Caller number seven. 